I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. Start beating MFT? I don't even remember anymore. The last like 45 episodes of beating MFT were just you talking and me sleeping or jerking off, so. That's true. You did crank it a lot, but your your silent cranking was something to behold because it didn't pick up in any of the episodes. Other than the sound occasionally of your toes scrunching as you got close to climax. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm a family man now. I had to learn how to throw a silencer on my big gun if you will yeah you mean your toes yes <laughs> your big toe my big toe is your the big one, gun your one toe that sticks out yeah. through your shoe she likes it she loves she it she loves it we're making a New York Ripper reference she loves it she likes it she loves it welcome to BDMFT I am the beard I'm the dick yeah so welcome, what a, what a welcome back! Yeah, welcome to the first BDMFT in a year. I think one of the last ones we did for a while, we were doing some of the last ones were over the phone because uh, you were in the hospital and then home from the hospital, so you would have your little ear pl- plugs in, and I would play music, and you would, like you said, fall asleep, jerk off, jam yeah. out. Uh, definitely wasn't playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> no, definitely never played Animal Crossing while I was talking about important music from the last decade. But yeah, I'm uh, overjoyed. It's funny, the the last one we were supposed to do was the best records of 2020. It's now November 23rd and of 2021. 2021. We're a little bit behind, but we'll be covering the best of 2021 and 2020 in, in a single episode in probably a month or so. I feel like, as I was saying to Ben before we began, there's I've listened to so little new music this year that it I think will be a short list. Not because there hasn't been a ton of amazing music, but just the older I get, the more my focus seems to shift backwards. In part because it's really easy. Like I love drum and bass, right? So like it's it's actually becoming expensive again to buy drum and bass 12 inches from like 2000, well, 1999 to like 2002, but it's still mostly pretty cheap. So it's like kind of nice when I can just buy 10, 12 inches for the cost of two noise albums or two techno albums from 2020 or 2021. Cause between shipping and I, and I get it. Like everybody's just trying to make a dollar and keep their labels afloat in a time of insane shipping prices and COVID vinyl delay and all the rest. But and insane people just hoarding and collecting more and more. Yeah, I don't want to get too far astray right away, but the pandemic fucked up the global record market and like pretty much everything else. Everybody was just at home, getting paid and spending money on stuff. And Discogs has so thoroughly fucked it up by having uh, the gigantic, uh, what do you call it? Fat uh, cock. 
well, the fat cock, but also because they keep a history of all the prices paid for anything and anybody can see it, just by, like, the nature of capitalism and markets, like, everything will increase in price over time as the scarcity of it, you know, reduces the availability of copies being sold. So you just mostly see prices always go up. Although it's interesting because, especially in electronic music, as things are hot, like, they'll, you know, you'll have a ton of scalpers, like, selling them for double the price shortly after they sell out from the most widely known distros. And then that'll always send me scouring to, like, other record stores that aren't on Discogs, which I try to do as much as possible anyways because of the... I don't want to be part of the problem. But then at some point, those markets, those little micro-markets collapse, and this... 12 inch of acid techno I've been chasing for four years, which used to be always 50 bucks is now like $10. And I'm like, this is wonderful. Oh, but it's shipping from Belgium. So it's still 30 fucking euros for the <laughs> shipping. And I'm like, okay, I guess I just can't wait. And it'll take a decade to get to you. No, normally it's not that bad, but I, I, I will say I just, the other night I was listening, um, there's this artist Batu and I have one of his early 12 inches. It's really good. It's like a really quality, for as useless as the term is, UK bass, weird techno, whatever you want to call it, this Bristol type sound, uh, it's wonderful. It's so good, and I like. I bought it on a whim from Hardwax because I really like the samples, and I mean, that's how one picks records. But it was just like I normally go with people I know. Like the most of the artists I like release so much stuff, and I buy techno and related so intermittently that it's easy to just chase like. 10 artists or five artists right. constantly finding the new stuff but he's since gone on to do his own label and i was reading uh, a review i just sort of stumbled into it on resonant advisor and they were talking about this compilation on his label and just like how it's such a wonderful snapshot of this thing that everyone used to call uk bass but like that doesn't even begin to describe it and it's this just like naughty thorny adventurous little just these just globs of something special and i'm like this sounds amazing like i i i'm like i can't believe i'm selling my myself short on all these like great records just because like this isn't a name i know as well and i was like i'm gonna fucking buy it right now and i go to the band camp and it's like oh yeah it's only like 30 30 bucks or whatever which you know for two 12 inches is not cheap but like okay like 2020 fucking shipping is like 40 dollars through band camp i was like okay well i guess i'll just have to buy it somewhere else so no, trust me. I think end of August, I pre-ordered an anime figure. Mm. And first of all, the shipping is disgusting. Sure. Absolutely atrocious. And they won't hold on to anything. The company I ordered it from won't hold on to anything. So it's either you order things that are all pre-order... From the same, like, releasing the same month, or they charge you separately for every single thing that's being shipped. Supposed to ship in October. Uh, currently, it's past October, and I don't think I'm getting this until like August. Honestly, it's gonna sit in a fucking shipping container. I almost feel your pain. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, uh, all that being said... Uh, Dick Fetty doesn't care about anime figures. 
Not that much, no. But, I mean, I do, I, I appreciate the struggle, and I know what you're talking about as far as buying things from Japan. I mean, I, I hear you. We've just talked about this a lot, so I, I feel you, and I, I understand your pain. I mean, I finally just got my Hitbox controller, and it I ordered it so long ago that now I'm not even playing Guilty Gear anymore, and I'm like, did I just buy a $200 paperweight? Probably. No, because in, like, six months, your dick's going to be so hard for fighting games again and then you're gonna be like come over and play fighting games with me and i'll be like no and then you'll convince me and i'll come over and you'll whoop me and it won't be any fun for me yeah and i'll do it on a controller i'm not even familiar with so you really feel shamed yeah and then i'll break it that yeah so all that being said the one of the things that has been holding us up recording has been the planning of and just general shit related and around my wedding which has now been completed and i went on my honeymoon and that takes us into the records i'm going to discuss tonight because for my honeymoon i went to costa rica and it has been a sort of tradition for lack of a better word since i got sober of every time i go to a tropical environment i have certain artists and labels that i focus on either as a way to listen to music I typically don't vibe with, uh, except for under specific circumstances, or to check out more stuff on labels that, like, unless I'm in that kind of a mindset, it's less applicable. Again, similar sort of, you know, the vibe's not there. Like how you listen to Wonderwall 45 times today. Right. So, uh, no. I didn't listen to it at all, except for in my head. It just keeps playing in my head. I haven't listened to it yet. Tomorrow it's going to be my fucking Thanksgiving prelude but maybe i'll just start singing it at dinner just like but instead of of wonderwall say butterball oh you're my butterball that sounds terrible so what i'm getting at is that there's a couple so one of those artists is shackleton i've talked about shackleton a couple times on the show throughout the years not much though i've i looked through my whole list of all the records i've reviewed through the disco box and Shackleton shows up like twice. It's kind of surprising. We didn't even open the disco box. It's been that it's been that long. We forgot to open the disco. I box. haven't opened it because I'm not there yet. Oh, yeah. I'm just about. Now to I have anxiety it. about it. It's okay. It's okay. I'll let you know when we're gonna do okay. it. Okay. So uh, Shackleton's one of those guys. I I did just pick up his new album, and I would talk about that, but it's gonna be my album of the year for 2021. So I'm gonna save my breath for that episode uh the other label that just keeps on giving and i was sort of really feeling for a while last year but we weren't really recording anymore is livity sound which has ties going all the way back to shackleton because apple blim was uh the other part of skull disco which was shackleton's original label and apple blim did songs with bavera list two of the greatest songs ever recorded as far as dubstep dub techno whatever hybrids and just electronic music in general they're circling and over there are like fucking perfect masterpieces and that exposure got me into Paveralist and I followed him until he started Livity Sound and then I've been sort of in and out picking up Livity Sound 12 inches for the last Christ almost 10 years now and um it's a different thing and it's the early stuff is this extremely stripped down, you know, focus on rhythm with 
sometimes extremely heavy sub bass action. Sometimes it's like, am I just listening to a really pleasant tech house record from the late nineties? Yes. Yeah. Basically it's, and is part of this post dubstep nebulous world of, is this techno from Bristol? Is this dubstep? Is this post dubstep? Is this UK bass? Is this garage? And I'm not, involved enough in electronic music anymore nor was i really ever to stay up on these genres uh and they really basically mean nothing it's like i just think of like if it's a livity sound record i know it's going to have tessa roadburn's artwork on it which already gives you a specific feeling i know it's going to have this like wonderful mixture of percussive originality and you know more or less emphasis on melodies and things like that and uh versus more atmospheric stuff but it's going to just be like there's always going to be great percussion it's going to be driving it's going to be like sparse but original club music so let's open the disco box it feels so right it feels like it's been so long it has truly been forever because I don't think we opened it during your best albums. I think we did each time, but maybe not. Maybe that maybe it was implicit in the exercise. Yeah, you think by now we'd have like a sound bite we could edit in? No. No. That would be too much work for me. That's true. So the first one is a Liberty Sound release, and I actually wasn't listening to this in Costa Rica that much. It more I was listening to so this is Forest Drive West, his newest EP, Dualism. He released an album a few years ago called Apparitions, which was, I think, got some mixed reception because he's a very interesting and inventive producer who sometimes does drum and bass, sometimes does more techno, but there's this nice kind of meld between the two in all of his work, and typically even... One of the things I would describe him as is like deceptively simple or uh, deceptive in the sense of it feels simple at first. It feels like this is a track with just a few elements and I know where it's going and how it's going to end. And most of the time, there's always at least one part of any given song that's like, oh, I see what you did there. That's different. Like you took out the the kick and replaced it with some kind of like bass hit, but the bass hits like broken beat and or the atmospherics in any given song are either extremely gorgeous or feel like you're listening to the soundtrack of the predator moving with his like thermoptic camo through the jungle but like he's going to dance with you when he gets to you instead of shoot you in the head with a laser and that sounds fun yeah like it's it's cool and that album was some of his EPs have a lot of fireworks and it mostly was way more stripped down and it wasn't, it didn't fall into the full on like half the albums, just ambient drivel that a lot of electronic artists do, but it's definitely way less like obvious and there's less bangers. And, um, I was listening to that on my trip and I was like, this really is a very, very good album. Like it's just, just not as exciting as it maybe could have been and could have added a banger in there and, and maybe, but I, I appreciated the sort of wholeness of it. This new EP is, again, like, he he tailors his music to the labels he's on, which most artists do. But, so this feels like, oh yeah, this is Livity Sound version of Forest Drive West. And the first two tracks are like what you expect. 
but the last track has I there's a, a featuring credit and I believe that the person is the percussionist so they're using live percussion rather than just programmed percussion right and it is so much more serpentine and at the same time it feels organic and it's very cool and collected but like it's it reminds me in some ways of muslim gauze on its best days but it's more it's definitely it feels as of 2020 weird amalgam that is uk electronic club sound system music and it's definitely like not a banger, but it's such a banger anyway. Like it's just it's so good. So so the track is called Scorpion. The featuring is Lucky Pereira and I'm going to play a little bit for you now, but it, know that most of the music I'm going to play tonight, all the music I'm going to play tonight is really not as conducive to short sound samples. Like it's all about hearing the where the thing. track goes yeah. in 7 minutes but this will give you a taste. play between the slower atmospheric bits and the parts of the drums that are very fast you know and it it's there's a lot of good club music i mean this is sort of the whole of halftime drum and bass where the tempo is much higher than the drum pattern the right. drum patterns at half the time so it's it gives this slow motion feeling but at the same time you can still dance to it at a regular speed or you can just take ketamine and stare at the ceiling or the floor but yeah, I mean... I do that anyway. Yeah, I know. Like you said, I mean, this is... Right, so now it's like... Now I'm picturing Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Predator. It it has a deep jungle vibe in 
all the best ways of that word being used and without all of the stupid parts of it. Because <laughs> there's, I mean, the music in and of itself has a debt to like jungle music, like the precursor to drum and bass, but it, it's, it's like the jungle in a much more delicate way, you know? I, I mean this as a, as a compliment but it sounds like a track you'd hear while playing like a Metroidvania and you'd get to that like jungle part mm-hmm. and that's what would be going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'll show you. So let me put on uh, New Day, which is the second track. So this is the closer for the EP. And when I was contemplating buying it, I was listening to it again. And then I got to this track and I was like, okay, well, I guess we're yeah, going to click the yeah. button on this one. But, uh, Every song on here is good. It's it's cool because mostly his songs have often one percussive element that reminds you of the real tempo of the song, and it's quite fast, but they still have this relaxed energy that escapes the boredom trap. So, this is New Day. There's a wetness that avoids sogginess. Like the... No, I mean, truly, the... No, I know. It's just... I just love hearing you describe music. It's adorable. It's it's just nice. It's just... Uh, for Costa Rica, listening to Forest Drive West was... It was really pleasant because we spent a lot of time... Especially when we were going from our different places we stayed. We had long car rides. And you're looking at... It would be mountains and then beaches and then and you're some trying to cities. ignore your spouse. Right. So you well, no, she's mostly them. just car sick the whole time staring at the ground. And so I'm just like <laughs> sitting there jamming, listening to my <laughs> tunes. And I'm like, this is so wonderful. And the rain would come and it would pour and then it would stop and just be sunny. And and this is kind of like, Livity Sound in general was the primary basis of my soundtrack. But the, but this Force Drive West, it, his, his first really all but like he did one on the reverse label for livity sound and then his proper debut 
I'm sure I've talked about on the show before. Oh my fucking God. Two tracks that are just both absolute bombs. And it's like, it's like fireworks in stealth mode. Like I just, you know, cause the groove will click and it's just as somebody who listens to a lot of what the kids call industrial techno for the last 10 years and things like that. Uh, you know, I'm used to just like slamming four to the floor, you know, loop, monolithic sounding shit, British Murder Boys, Regis, that type of thing, and other other guys like that who've got the skills, you know, it's so, it's so much, it's so, you know, and this is like, hit you with the same kind of grooves, but like a completely different palette, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and only, I saw Simo sell DJ when I was in Amsterdam, which was fucking awesome, and... Uh, that's the only time I've ever been to a club event that had like that kind of stuff. Mostly when I do venture out to the clubs from under my rock, it's for like extremely specific and narrow palette techno, either like live performances or DJs. And, uh, I still think of that shifted show. I saw, holy shit. That was just like, I was not on drugs, but oh man, did it feel like I had done them (laughs) because the level of like, anyways, I'm not going to get it fucking path so yes force drive west dualism ep will be on the uh probably be on my top of the 2021 list i will not rehash this all in such detail but very very good the last track scorpion (coughs) very high on my list potentially best song he's done yet in part because it's different but also just like that fucking style of hand drumming like tabulas and and that kind of stuff like it's just when it's good and it doesn't sound like cheesy world music, really gets my... Yeah, what doesn't sound like you're fucking Epcot. Right. So the next one is kind of in the same ballpark. I, I was, The Queen of the Damned soundtrack. I was sent back to this uh, because, I don't know, it's just the way these things connect to my mind and my listening happenings. But I, I feel like I maybe reviewed this album before, but maybe not. Uh, I sort of often forget how much I love Ricardo Villalobos, but also, like, how... So you listen to a Forest Drive West song, first couple seconds, you're like, ah, do I feel this? Then all those elements start to come in, and you're like, oh, I feel this. And then you're three, four, five, eight minutes in, and you're like, this is very good. Ricardo Villalobos will, like, start with shit that I'm like, I don't like this. Like, stop. <laughs> and then 14 minutes later into the song, I'm like... I fucking vibe. I feel this. Like, this is pretty cool. He is a master of making uncomfortable, weird, like, but never-ending house grooves that somehow work even when my brain is telling me half of the elements are just, like, not... They don't sound good. It's it's sort of like... I don't think it would be a stretch to say that a lot of the kind of music that he makes is sort of... One might could say that it's it's like the jazz take on club music in the sense of a lot of people think of jazz as being like automatically off-putting and all the rest. Most of the time they're thinking of free jazz, which is actually the best kind, but what? You're making a face. <laughs> no, it's just like, you know, most people when they think of jazz, they're just like, ugh, mm, no sir. No, well, I think that's true. Like, it's sort of like country music where, you know, it's so easy to just think of it as this giant like monolith of like just I don't like it and blanket it out because it's it's so much that 
if you don't know anything about it, it's like, ah, oh, it's just all a bunch of people blowing on horns and whatnot and banging drums in random, random patterns. Probably someone playing a piano. Yeah, piano's probably in it. Whereas the same with country, where it's all just a bunch of, like, whiny, you know, bur- bo- boots and beers songs. And, uh... There's... Like, like emo, but more rapey. Yeah. Um, but, anyways, we're sort of missing the point. You could say Villalobos is, like, the prog rock of what would be regular rock music is house music, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. The point is, he's famously out there. Uh, but at the same time, is one of the most popular DJs of, like, club music for the last 20 years. And his productions are consistently lauded for their uh, detail and adventurousness and all the rest. And... I got into him because when I was first hearing about Micro House, there was a period where they were calling it Ketamine House, and I hadn't done ketamine yet, but I was rapidly... I think I was pretty much a raging drug addict at that you point. You were sprinting towards it. Yes, and I was like, that sounds awesome. I'll have that, please. Uh, you know. <laughs> One, please. Yeah, well, it was like they used to nickname... There was a nickname for a long time of the chain reaction style of house and techno, calling it Heroin House. And so... I already liked dub techno and I knew it as dub techno, but then they were like, Oh yeah, this album by Flexion is a classic of heroin house. I was like, well, I think I'll be checking that out. Then. <laughs> that just rose to the top of the list. So yeah. So when it was still called ketamine house for a while or, or, uh, and there was another variation on that. I was like, yeah, let me get some of that. I, I fully believe that this is like something that went around the forums and everything, but like, Part of me really hopes it was just, like, you and your old friends just naming certain genres of music after drugs because you guys were just doing a bunch of drugs and no one else did this. Uh, no, I wish we were that inventive, but it was, it, you know, it's part of, I think, one of the things that makes, I would say, people our age, you know, and again, we've talked about this in respect to many different things, our age, a little bit older... And then maybe a year or two younger than us, but we're sort of in that, like, crest of the wave thing where we went from having all the stuff people had for ages as to how to discover media and then being also, like, riding the wave of the internet changing it all simultaneously. And, you know, music journalism is all about creating new genres and names for things and all the rest to, like, sell fads and trends. Uh, So I was getting this, but it was, like, that era where the increasing internet exposure of these European club trends was allowing only the most sort of sporadic and specific things to pop out through U.S. news outlets. And Pitchfork was, because of Philip Sherburn and some other writers, uh, they were early to pick up and glob on to Micro House as something to be lauded compared to all the rest of the club music, which they derided pretty much arbitrarily and so ricardo villalobos got like a level of crossover interest from people that were like otherwise there to read a yellow tango album review and then it was like oh who's this chilean slash berlin based dj making ketamine house like i do ketamine at parties in brooklyn i'll i'm interested or you're like me and it's like I'm growing up in the suburbs, but wish I was somewhere else and doing more exciting things and doing ketamine. Just more drugs. Right. And uh, anyway, so all that being said, it's kind of hard to keep track of what constitute his albums or not. 
I typically think of Alcachofa, which is his, as being his like first proper album, which has Dexter and Easy Lee on it, which are two of his probably most famous songs. But his second album, as I see it, uh, which is, I guess the easy way to say it is T in the Harem of Archimedes, but it's spelled Te Aharem de Archimedes. I'm not sure what language that's in comparatively, but it's more or less the same thing. With its accent marks, I can't really tell. But the album came out on Perlon in 2004, sort of the pinnacle of the micro house style and genre. I still buy Perlon records and CDs, and they still fucking rule. Uh, but this, where Akachofa still had like a lot of somewhat more traditional tech house elements, this album, just like from the get, is weird. And I, I feel like I must have covered this before on here. So maybe, but I don't even remember any of the stuff I covered at this point. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's a wonderful, bizarre world where every song slinks for, you know, I think the shortest song is like five minutes. I think there's one short song and then the rest of them are all in, like much closer to the 10 minute mark. And some of them start off off-putting but almost always get to a place where like the kick the right kick comes in or then suddenly you've got your syncopated hi-hats or whatever little thing and you're like that's why I'm here and then you're like please do not end and later on he would just famously make 30 minute tracks and do whatever but here there was still a little bit of the reins on it and the album is bookended by the best pieces he's ever done to my taste the first one's called higher clon which i'm going to play in a second which is this guitar plucking over these hats that just filter from left channel to right channel and and it's just these very sparse elements and it's just this like liquid sculpture suspended in like black space and it's it's ketamine house like you listen i'm like this is good music for the ketamine. I mean, everything's good with ketamine for the most part. Not jazz. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's really, really delightful. It's so exceptionally good. And apparently the vinyl version of it is much longer, but also the claps are different. And I've heard people have different preferences as to which of the two types of claps. Um, now like everything, it's wildly expensive to get that, on vinyl but i have a cd copy and it works pretty well and then the last two songs one is called miami and features a jacob's ladder like the electrical device yeah so it's just like the sound of electricity going up and that comes in and out of the track like just at random on top of the rest of this like shuffling bizarre like deep purple sound that it's it's just like what the fuck but like it works and then the final song is true to myself which has cassie doing vocals and she's just kind of like singing to herself like in a giant empty space of like just staying true to myself and blah 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 and then she just she just kind of like hums and sings and sings the little words and the song just goes on for 15 minutes and just sort of just wines and uh yeah i mean this album is just it's funny you can get the cd still for pretty cheap and it's like this is a fucking masterpiece and alcatrova the album before it is an awesome album but 
pretty much all of its versions sell for two to five times the price of the versions of this album. And I get that it's a little less accessible, but like, it's a true triumph of like personal, like there's, you wouldn't mistake this for anyone else. Like this is a complete personal statement and, and you wouldn't in a genre of, you know, where it's so easy to get caught up sounding like so many other people active in a type of style. Like, you know, he's one of those people that's like, I'm an originator. Like, I'm not even... It just it just is so above and beyond. So, all that being said, let's play a little bit of Higher Quant. listen to the clip probably be a little bit shorter but it's funny so the the guitar doesn't even come in until three minutes into the song of a nine minute song we were listening to that for three minutes almost four yeah by the way this is a very real look of like if you want to know what it was like to hang out with me while i was on drugs this is mostly it well it was funny because i'm thinking to myself (laughs) full disclosure like you know obviously i was doing drugs when i was getting into drug music but yeah, I mean, this was... I got into Microhouse concurrent with, like, my deep obsession with DXM, which lasted for almost the entirety of my... It, from the time I got into it, I never stopped doing it. And uh, DXM is just the sister or brother to Ketamine and PCP. They're all part of the same little fun family. And so, yeah, like, I when I was in college, my freshman year, when I picked up this CD... I would sit in my lofted bed on a shitload of DXM and watch as the walls around me would collapse and space would replace them and just, like, have these wild, vivid, out-of-body hallucinations as one does, you know? It was sort of the deliberate manufacturing of a K-hole-type scenario, except for it lasts much longer and is more, Mm -hmm. uh, 
horrifying, um, typically. It tastes like cherries. <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, ride your back, huh? Ah, uh, oh, it give me a shiver down my spine. Yeah, I kind of want to vomit now. Yeah, thanks for that. So, anyway, it's, uh, it's real, real good. And I'm just going to play for you guys, just so you can hear. You've now heard the sort of the way the guitar just... It doesn't even sit on top of everything else that's happening, but it just, it's just like multiple parts moving at their own pace, uh, as if they're different songs. And that's why I make this sort of jazz comparison. It's not like to the level of some of the most abstracted free jazz, but it definitely, I feel like for some people could conjure that kind of, it feels like everyone's playing a different song sort of a thing. And my other favorite from this one, Miami Again, it has a Jacob's Ladder that comes in. Like, that's not typically a featured instrument, so... No. Let's take a listen. doing her little humming thing uh jacob's ladder some kind of electrical discharging thing and then a xylophone and then this strange wet sounding shuffling beat it's just like what the fuck like who would do this but the drugs though and but i mean more importantly like it's you can dance to it too it's just it's just like not it's a little bit different than German techno. Yeah, it's much more vibing music for me. Yeah. I'm also, like, super cozy right now. Sure, yeah. You look like, uh, your face says, uh, I'm a hardened 1% biker who's been doing meth for four days and is coming down, but the rest of you says, I'm a comfy, cozy little titty bear. Yeah, like I said, this is a very real look into, like... Body position, outfit, whole nine, and back when I was doing drugs. Sure, sure. 
Um, so yeah. So, I mean, Villalobos is a huge discography, and most of what I've heard, I've always come around to enjoying in some way or another, but it's, it is, uh, and a lot of it's really great for home listing, but sometimes he picks, like, I, I was thinking about, uh, recommending instead, uh, What's Wrong My Friends, which is a double EP, and it's, uh, there's a song on it called Africa Claps, which is fucking amazing and like very repetitive but in the best way possible it's just one of those things where it's like the elements are so good like i want to hear it for 10 minutes but then the other songs are much more progressive and like 50 minutes a piece and they are off-putting as fuck at points but then i was listening to the i listened to the whole thing today and i'm like this is also like an amazing record but like why do i like this you know what <laughs> i mean like it's it's something different. Um, yeah. It, not, it is difficult music. It's, uh, and that's the difference. Like Alcachofa, you listen to Dexter. Dexter is like immediately an extremely pleasant dub techno influenced, like depressive house song. Like I, I do not know how he does it, but that song has more emotional impact than like most regular bands will have in their entire discography, at least for me. And, then you listen to what does it say a strum and it's like deconstructed latin football chants turned into like microhouse club music and what yeah you're just like where are we and i i was showing you his remix of shackleton's blood on my hands yes. the other week yes and that's much more in line with this era of Vil lobos and is pretty close in time where it's just like I could not imagine being more fucked up just listening to this sober. Like, it's just this mind-numbing, like, black void. You know. So, but we'll end the on a brighter note. The thing we all achieve for. What's that? The thing we all strive for. Right. So I'm going to end on a more, uh, a brighter note. And I, again, another one. I cannot believe that this hasn't been covered, but I, I double-checked my list. I'm almost positive I did not. BTS. I also can't believe this album's four and a half fucking years old. Where does the time go? Uh, Paveralist. So I mentioned him earlier in his whole Liberty Sound label. My path to him was through Skull Disco. And his original album is great. It's called Jarvik Mind State. I got really into it right before I got sober. I was playing Far Cry 3 and listening to it. It's extremely good music to play, to listen to while playing Far Cry 3 because it much like he would do with Livity Sounds, straddles this line between sort of like jungle, something like Tahitian or rainforest vibes. Like, I, I don't know, this weird mix of shit, but then like club music and also Far Cry 3, I'm murdering people. It's great. With Tessellations, his second, much later LP, it's, the first one is, the LP version of it is like a, a small number of tracks as an album. But this is really feels like an album. It's got the classic. Starts with a more in, ambient piece, ends with a more ambient piece. You got your bangers in the middle and your good stuff around the edges. But again, if you buy into this kind of thing of reduced dance music, like parts taken, you know, things stripped away and the pieces refined and the modulations minimal, but like just that much more interesting for the way everything gets teased out. Uh, this is a real, really wonderful album. When I first heard it, there was a couple tracks that immediately I was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to buy it for these alone. 
but over time all of it is a delight like even the ambient intro and outros are so good that i don't skip them which is not the case for most electronic music especially dance oriented stuff and uh you know not it doesn't always feel like the most original thing or like oh i've heard this type of detroit techno chord phrasing before or whatever but when you listen to the whole songs and the way that they interplay and the just like loving good vibe aspect of it it's even when it feels more introspective like it never feels dark and hateful and whatever like it's just a real triumph of like uh some kind of i don't want to say positivity that sounds corny but there's like a a a kind of communion at the church of dance feeling in the best way possible it's like this you know there's still that element of like rave culture of if we all take enough ecstasy we can make the world a better place kind of a thing can't we though yeah, I mean, you dose everyone, we'll, we'll get better, so, till we run out, <laughs> but, uh... Well, yeah, then everyone will be too sad the next day to do anything violent. That's true, that's true. Um, no crimes ever committed on ecstasy, that's a fact, you can check it. Snoop's yeah. that. But... Find one crime where someone was on ecstasy. Yeah, you can't. I'll wait. Except the crime of love. I'm gonna play little bits of two tracks. The... This this album is just straight fire. It's 100% excellent. I fucking love it. I'm so glad I bought it Like when it came out. Enjoyed it at the time. I got it right when I... Now my wife and I started dating. And it was just like... Who? Alexa. The Flex. The Greyhound in Heels. The one that's definitely not dead. Correct. I did not marry a corpse. But... Yeah, I uh, I was feeling really good. It was uh, early summer, and the vibes were right. And yeah, this this album was just clicked from then, and it's especially now listening to it again. I'm like, oh, this is nice. We'll listen to it on my honeymoon. Weird how it comes around. So I'm gonna play a little bit of Wireframes first, and then I'm gonna play Further Inland. So.
I think of when I think of Pavarilis, it's sort of like if you ever had a bunch of electrical cords for you know like your PlayStation and HDMI and all this shit like all tangled up together. We're all so, men in our thirties. We all have we all have cord boxes. Sure. Right. Okay. So if you have them, especially haphazardly thrown in, and then you need to get one out, that's what the drums sound like, and <laughs> it's it's like this knotty chunks of drums where you know sometimes you pull on it and it all comes out and it's like sensible and orderly and smooth and chill but then other parts it's just this clump of like knotted up drum just sort of falling down the stair kind of a thing uh especially in further inland where like it just kind of clumps together into these like little drum bursts like nothing crazy nothing like the older liberty sound stuff by pev but it's it's just like it's nice it's like naughty is the way i would just you know like kn uh describe the drum stuff and wireframes is more percussive and a little bit more rigid with its sort of snare roll thing that it has going throughout this little bit of militarism but there's all these other things happening too and it's just like it's the kind of shit where your song is like eight minutes long and I'm like waiting for, there's a couple little parts where like he does like a thing, you know? And mm-hmm. it's just like, <laughs> they're so small compared to, you know, what, what like a Skrillex drop might be or something like that. Um, Don't you ever say the fucking name on this podcast. You know what I mean? Again. Like, again, it's that concept of like the fireworks are not fireworks in the traditional sense, but when you're into this type of shit, it's like what Otiker does and, it's why I love all this stuff. I've been into it since I was, I don't know, my early teens of finding those little moments that turn something that's already, like, I love all of this and it's great, but then, like, it's those little turns of phrase um, that really kick it up a notch. And it's the kind of shit where you can listen to this on your earbuds or, you know, whatever. It sounds good. It's got the a nice rounded production style, so, like, you can hear it in there and it doesn't feel shitty. But you listen to on good headphones and really let that bass thump, and you're like, this, this is nice. But then you throw it on some fucking speakers when neighbors aren't home, and you can crank that mother mm. up. And it really is, I mean, that's all music in a lot of ways, but this type of sparse sound system music, it's like, this is designed to be on systems that make your fucking chest feel like they're going to cave in. And, you know, and you get a very different experience, but... Even if you're at a third of that level at home and you're really getting to pump it, it's like, you you know, you just sort of, you, your brain disconnects from your body and you just, you know, you got that, that dance starts to come in. You start to fucking feel that shit. You're like, I gotta move. And it, you hit that like sort of blissy headspace where it's just like, I don't know. It just works real nice. And I never feel like I'm cringing over, you know, I listen to a lot of fucking hardcore techno and there's times That's where I'm true, just like... You do. I gotta just turn the brain off. The, the old <laughs> hammer's coming to town. But shit like this, like it's not like it's better or worse or you know, quote unquote, more mature. But it definitely achieves some similar results in a very different way. That it's nice. It's very nice. So I really went on about these three, but they're all, especially these two albums, I've been fucking enjoying. Uh, tea in the harem of Archimedes for 17 almost 18 years now what the fuck is wrong is that yeah Jesus Christ that's a long fucker time although I guess I picked it up in 2006 so only 15 years but we're getting so old yeah 
So let's close this disco box. And uh, are you jumping into something tonight, or are we... Oh my god, I get to talk? Yeah, if you want. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, god, there's so many things. There's been so many best buys that haven't been talked about. Sure, sure. Uh, where do I even begin? I think we should save this for its own BDMFT. I don't think it should be a mainline Motel Hell episode, but I definitely think you and I should have a full discussion about the new Dune movie. Sure, sure. But the other thing I want to bring up I'm not going to talk about because you just borrowed The First Last of Us from me, so mm -hmm. I'm not going to deep dive into The Last of Us Part 2 because okay. I don't want to spoil anything for you. Okay. I have a feeling that might be your better liked one. Okay. Maybe. Honestly, the main... So, like, I've been reading a lot more recently. And, um... I don't think I... I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast one of the last times that we recorded, but I got back into the incredibly expensive habit of reading manga. And to further the lore that... Uh, Everyone who graces this podcast is secretly a furry. Uh, I've the the one that I keep buying volumes for, and at this point, I own more volumes of it than I even do of JoJo. Is fucking Beastars, man. And it's not. It's not my usual manga. Like I don't usually go for romance stuff, and it's not entirely romance, but that is like. One of the, you know, big arcs in it. I mean, you know, it's... So, think... Uh, think Zootopia, if Zootopia had actual weight to it. But it's a very similar idea to Zootopia where, you know, carnivores aren't allowed to eat herbivores and everyone's anthropomorphic. Is the show any good? I'll, I'll touch on that. But, fun fact about it. Uh, I don't know if we have any... This seems like just hentai beating. It's not. Oh. I haven't seen any actual nudity in it as of yet. Well, I don't... I just mean, like, from a doujin perspective, this is just like... So, okay, okay well, so... Yeah, I mean, sometimes it makes me horny. Um, but... I'm intrigued. Anyway, so, yeah, you know, whole society is based on this fact that there is, you know, this law, the stigma against carnivores, that they eat meat and everything, but carnivores, herbivores, they all live together in harmony. As far as I know... That's what the liberals want. Of course it is fucking liberal turkeys you there are reptiles there have not been a single there has not been a single amphibian uh but they do mention fish and as far as i know there is a shark in one of the later chapters okay i'm five volumes in i have seven but anyway the manga opens up with Cherryton academy which is where 90 percent of this takes place and a student 
is murdered by a carnivore on campus. And I don't know if they're going to end up solving that. I hope they do. I'm assuming they're eventually going to get to it. But anyway, one of the main characters is a gray wolf named Lugoshi. He's huge. Very timid young man. Uh, very, like, keeps himself very reserved. And they're all very humanized in very specific ways, and it's done really well, and it's done with a lot of heart. But he is a carnivore, you know, obviously, big gray wolf. Um, he was friends with the uh, Llama, if I remember correctly, whose name escapes me right now, who was killed. He is in the drama club, the drama club of Cherry Hill... Uh, Cherryton Academy is very famous for their productions and every year from whatever graduating class there is a beast star chosen and usually that's like that's like your golden ticket mm -hmm. you're going to be rich you're going to be famous and so far everyone's looking at the lead actor in the acting pool Louie who is a red deer going to be like the main one and I've already seen nudes of him Man, they are both my husbandos for different reasons. Okay. Oh my god, I'm like, I'm like really kicking myself because, God, maybe I am a furry, but there's this real attractive Legoshi figure that was like decently cheap for its size, um, which is all sold out now. So maybe I'll convince my wife to get me the Louie one. They don't make any of the girls, but anyway. So Louie's this like very dominating very strong-willed like alpha male but not in like a cringy way he's just he has like a very big presence about him he doesn't take shit mm. uh, very gets in the face of carnivores and calls him out and shit and you're like oh fuck yeah please spit on that carnivore you big deer daddy mm. and Lagoshi's like very reserved because of his size and he's like try always trying to find ways to get out of you know like, there's a scene where, like, he's trying to figure out how he can lose a fight to a fox, even though he's got, like, you know, four feet on the fox that could absolutely destroy him. He doesn't want to cause trouble or anything. So anyway, Lagoshi and Louis are both in this drama club together. They end up going to this stage to do a run-through because they had to choose somebody else to play the part of the student who was murdered on campus. Louis has Lagoshi stand watch. Lagoshi's standing there and like boom his animal instincts to take over. And at this point it's it's uh, it's given like a character almost. It hasn't come up again really in that sense. But he gets this strong scent and he chases after he doesn't know what it is. It turns out to be this uh, adorable, who, um, I don't know if she's my number one waifu in it yet, but, um, I really like, uh, I think her name's Juno, she's another gray wolf. Anyway, uh, I'm getting a little off topic. He captures this rabbit, almost kills her, uh, but lets her go. Like, he scratches her arm up real bad. And this is all, like, if you watch the first episode of the show, this is all stuff you get. And this is all stuff I had seen, but, like, reading it was, like, a totally different thing. Mm -hmm. It's not the same aspect as where, like, you know, in JoJo, you can have a bunch of shit ruined for you. You still watch it or read it, and you're like, this is fucking amazing. It doesn't matter. But I feel like I can explain this stuff without 
ruining the whole plot of the series. But anyway, he releases her, she runs off, and it's just drama from there. Like, and it, they, they feed... You learn more about, like, um, obviously there are carnivores who eat meat, and there's got to be a way to get meat, right? Even though it's illegal, and it's murder and everything. And um, Lagoshi battles with, you know, both being a carnivore, but then he... So I kind of skipped over this. They, there, there's this, like, big festival that happens every year, uh, which is to be in reverence to dinosaurs. Because, obviously, dinosaurs are animals of ancestors, so they're treated as gods. And he needs to go to the gardening club to get plants for um, either that or one of the plays that they're doing. And he goes there and... Lo and behold, who's there? Of course, it's Haru, the tiny white rabbit that he attacked. So, he, like, goes in there and he's talking to her. His buddy who's with fucking dips because Haru has this bad reputation of being... She gets slut-shamed a lot. Um, but the way they, like, build on that uh, later in the series is really beautifully done and really well-crafted. And uh, so, like, she's, she starts to get naked in front of him thinking he wants to fuck. And he just throws a blanket on her and runs off. And she's like, what the fuck just happened? So from there on, he's infatuated with her. But obviously, like, you know, there's like a weird power dynamic because he's a carnivore. She's this tiny white rabbit. And there is like a full on size difference between animals. Sure. And the art style, like sometimes it's like really detailed and well done. Other times it's like really loose. Uh, the And the author is a female. It's the daughter of the gentleman who created Baki, the grappler. So if you're a fan of Baki, if you haven't read Baki, unfortunately the only way you can read it uh, is through fan translation because it's never been brought over to America. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure the Netflix show is doing well, so maybe it will be eventually. And she's very much one of those artists who... Uh, like doesn't like the limelight so like when she goes out in public she wears a big chicken head but the whole world is very well constructed and it's not all exposition like she she doesn't shove exposition exposition down your throat the only way i knew that there were uh fish even in the world was that they are at a lecture and like one of the smaller world bubbles is like one of the teachers like explaining like different types of animal and they go into the aquatic and fish and everything. And that's like not the main focus of the page. And it's like one of those things that you can like easily gloss over, but like the world building is done so well and the emotion is done so well. And her, like I said, it goes from like very detailed to like very loose art style. And I've never been so into something that is so it's so out of the norm for me because i'm not sure. like super into shoujo stuff outside of like fruits basket right fruits basket's like a it's one of those ones that we grew up with um like a lot of the things like i like like that are like older like ronmo one half and chobbits no nah. no i hate the way that looks okay. in every way <laughs> um blech. but uh yeah, no, like, I highly recommend it. The show, like, I kind of started watching again. I am 
waiting until I finish the manga through season one, and then I'm going to watch all season one. Sure. Uh, I think there's like 20, 23 volumes maybe total. The whole th- the whole series is out. Like if if you really want to right now, and like I I understand it's hard. Manga is expensive, but um, I do think that if you have the money, you should support the artist because the more stuff, like even international sales, maybe even especially international sales, the the more stuff that you buy of that artist, the more they'll be able to create. And she just did another manga, but it's human-based. Uh, she does on, on another Beastars manga. Um based on the same world, which I obviously haven't gotten yet because I haven't finished Beastars. But she did another human one, which is supposed to be very, very good and deals a lot with, like, social anxiety and stuff. But the way she writes emotion and the way she gives humanity to these animal characters is really good. Albeit, do prepare yourself. Uh, a lot of the animals do have human-esque feet, and that's a bit, it's a bit weird. But, like, don't get me wrong. It's also, like super bloody at times and super violent and do wolves have wolf dicks or human dicks i don't know but i know even though like it's kind of frowned upon there is interspecies fucking like so like you know but it's all like i don't want to give too much away um because i could like just go on for hours about the world building in it and how the school is set up and everything and yeah people got to read that discover for themselves yeah it's it's very well done uh you can be very like if it's not it's not berserk level of art in any way and i mean shit even though i want to say like a lot of the shonen jump stuff might have like cleaner lines and everything, but the art has a lot of emotion to it. Sure. Even though it's not the most detailed, clean line thing ever. Uh, it's 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 just super good. It's honestly probably the thing that... You know, it's funny because... You know, anybody, anytime I buy anime stuff, I'm like, I gotta buy a JoJo thing too. And um, I have... I'm caught up to my JoJo stuff right now and have not, like... I'll go to Barnes and Noble and be like, yeah, I should pick up the, because I'm I'm I've got almost all of I've got I'm one volume short uh, for Battle Tendencies uh, to finish that up so I can move on to Stardust, and I just end up buying two copies of fucking Beast Stars because <laughs> I love it so much, and I think the I think that's one of the other things that it's. I'm near positive she still does pen to paper instead of doing digital. I know Rocky does digital now, unless he's doing like full art pieces, like when he's designing like, you know, posters or something, or uh, like certain things he'll still do, um, you know, non-digital media. But most guys have moved to, most, most mangaka have moved to digital art. Mm. And this still has that feel of, you know, using screens and cross-hatching and, you know, just pen to paper, which is one of the reasons that I fell in love with manga versus Western stuff. So it's really refreshing. 
um, to see something like that. And like I, I highly recommend it. I honestly think it's probably the best newer manga I've read. Discluding, like, you know, current JoJo, because I haven't read current JoJo, because I want to support Araki by buying his stuff, and unfortunately, America's JoJo is so fucking far behind, like, that we just got Golden Wind over here, which is insane to me. Um, but, like, even newer stuff, like, I, I, I read the first volume of, of, um, Chainsaw Man, which was phenomenal, but it's still very... You know, it's Chainsaw Man. It's all right there in the title. It's all, it's very much a shonen, uh, even though it's very bloody and everything. It's, you know, more M-rated shonen. But, like, this just felt like something so fresh and new and out of the norm that... Go read it. Just go, just go fucking pick up the first volume. It's, like, $15. That's, like, three Starbucks coffees. Read it. If you listen to this, you're probably a furry anyway. So yeah, I mean, like it. you know, if we had the money, we'd probably have full fursuits right now. Yeah, or be scalies. No, uh, my we we've talked about this. My persona would be a platypus, mm. which I guess is still mammal. Anyway, that's all I got for B stars. I'm desperately trying to get someone to read it with me. <clears throat> Good luck with that. Fuck you. Anyway. Alright, well, I think that about covers it for the first BDMFT in all of 40 years. Uh, it was good. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe you, maybe you hate yourself. Maybe you hate us. I mean, to be fair, I feel like BDMFT is the one thing that's totally for us on this podcast. Yeah, sure. But anyways, it's been a pleasure, and we will be back soon. And probably probably yeah uh we i think our next episode we're not going to discuss what that is you'll find out when we post it which could be in six years oh i was gonna say that's finally the one that's we're gonna video record and um i'm gonna be inside you the whole time oh yeah well there's that i didn't want to spoil it though anyways later nerds later nerds